I'm glad that you're here today on Memorial Day. It's great to have you here. If you're online joining us or listening by podcast, it's so awesome to have you as we continue talking about building our life from the ground up. Because you know, uh, the guy, the famous guy in that video that made that shot, Michael Jordan, he wouldn't be at that level if he hadn't mastered some basics, right? And it doesn't matter how far into the pros that you get as an athlete, you still have to do the basics to be successful. And it's the more successful, the more skillful that you become in the basics, the more successful that you are. And it's like that in our Christian walk. You know, we've, we found out over the last few weeks that John 10 and 10 said, Jesus came to give us a rich and satisfying life. One translation says, a life beyond our wildest imaginations. And in order for us to live that life, that good life, full of wins and success and celebration, there are some things we have to know. There are some basic principles in the word, and that's what we've been talking about, building our life from the ground up. Because once we say yes to Jesus, we enter salvation, and then there's this whole big kingdom that God has given us access to. And we have to understand some basic principles to be able to live in it and live in the wins and the success and the enjoyment. We've learned over the last couple of weeks a few things to build our life from the ground up. Very basic principles. The first one we learned was that God is good. That seems so simple, but a lot of people are really confused about that when it comes to living life. They're not sure if the things in their life are from God, if he brings good things or bad things, but God is good, and he's always good, and he's only good. We learned also that not only is God good, but that God actually made us his, and once we say yes to Jesus, we're adopted. We found out what that means. Fully adopted means we have access to everything, we can walk up to his refrigerator and take out what we want because we're his. We found out the next basic principle we learned about was that uh, we have to build our life on God's word, not on opinions, not on what culture says, but on God's word and be unapologetic about building our life on the standard of what God says. Amen. We learned last week that faith is the thing. And without this muscle that we develop on the inside, this faith muscle, we can't actually access anything in the kingdom of God, including salvation. So we learned about the faith muscle. And today I am pumped to talk to you a little bit about some secret sauce in the word, some secret sauce that tells us how to love our life. Who in here wants the secret sauce? Awesome. Why don't you turn to somebody you're sitting beside, say, are you ready? Are you really ready? for some secret sauce. Now, the secret sauce is probably not what you're thinking it is. So I'm just telling you in advance, yes, I know it's Memorial Day weekend. Yes, I know it's a holiday. Yes, I know we're just wanting to kind of coast a little bit this weekend. I'm fully aware that it's it's a holiday weekend. And I'm fully aware that when we hear what the secret sauce is, we might go, ugh, that sounds like a little bit of work. But... I want to encourage you to build our life from the ground up. The more skillful we become at exercising some principles in the word, the more of the good life we're going to live. And so we're going to start with 1 Peter chapter 3, 3, verse 8. It says, whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil. Hello, somebody. And his lips from speaking deceit. What 
that's the secret sauce to loving life and seeing good days, I have to do what? Keep my lips from evil, my tongue from evil, and my lips from speaking deceit. Understanding the power of the words that we speak and paying attention to what our mouth is saying is the secret sauce for loving your life. Now, this isn't just the single scripture. It's actually weaved throughout the word of God, and we're going to hit on some of that today. But part of our life, building from the ground up as a disciple, not just somebody that believes in Jesus, but somebody that's saying, I'm following Jesus, we build our life from the ground up with the secret sauce, not just spewing out of our mouth anything we think, anything we feel. No, we have to start paying a little more attention, keeping our tongue from evil and our mouth from speaking deceit. So on the surface, that might sound a little bit like, well, I can't cuss, and I can't call people names. <laughs> and if you're a Christian, you shouldn't do either of those two things anyways, but this scripture actually has a little more involved than that. Speaking evil, what does God consider speaking evil? You might be a little surprised. I'm going to tell you a story to begin uh, it's out of Numbers 13 and 14. And see, in the Old Testament, God tells us the pattern of our life by these people called the Israelites. They were his chosen people. And you're probably familiar with how Moses led the children of Israel out of Egypt. And uh, they had plagues that God delivered them from. And then God even split the Red Sea so they could walk right through it. And then they found themselves in the desert. Now what? And this is what God said to them. He said, I... I'm going to give you an amazing land. It's a plush place. That was God's word to the Israelites. They're in the middle of a desert. It's hot. The only thing they had to eat was bread falling out of the sky. And he said, I am going to give you a place. And it's a plush place. So that was God's word. So then God said, hey, I want you to send 12 guys, 12 spies, go and spy out the land to see how amazing it really is. And then come back and tell the rest of the people, the millions of people in your camp out in the desert, how amazing it is. So the 12 spies went to Canaan, this land that God said he was going to give to them. And they spied it out. And, you know, the Bible says they saw, whoa, it was a land flowing with milk and honey. Meaning there, there were resources of every good thing there. And actually, they said the fruit was so big. The bunches of grapes were so huge that two men had to carry a bunch of grapes. That's how big the grapes were. So they saw that it was an amazing land. And then they saw a little bit of the challenge. There were already people living there that called it their land, and they were giants, according to the Israelites. And so the spies had a decision to make. So they went back to the children of Israel, and 10 of the 12 spies came to tell them what they spied out in this amazing land that God said they were going to give to him give to them. So keep this in mind. Here are the Israelites watching God do all of these miracles, and they were waiting with anticipation, could not wait to hear all about this land. They were on the edge of their seats like, yes, God did this already. He split the sea already. Now he's given us a plush place. We cannot wait to hear about it. So that's where we're going to pick this up. Numbers 13, it says this, 10 of the 12 spies said, we're not able to go up against the people of Canaan for they're stronger than we are. So they brought the Israelites an evil report of the land, which they had scouted out, saying, the land through which we went to spy out is a land that devours its inhabitants, 
And all the people that we saw in it were men of great stature. So the scripture says right here that these 10 spies brought back an evil report. Well, what is God calling evil? This is what God calls evil. This is how we, to, we, we know how to instruct our mouth so we can live good days and l- love our life. What God calls evil is not agreeing with what he said and not saying what he said. So what God called evil in this report, God had said, I'm giving you this land and it's a plush place. And they came back and said, there are people that live there and they look like giants and we can't have it. God said, I'm giving it to you. They said, we can't have it. And God called that evil. And because they didn't agree with what God said, they ended up not loving their life and they didn't see the good days in that awesome land because they disagreed with what God had said. So let's make this a little bit applicable for us today. You know, the Bible is sharing truths all the time with us. Every time we open the Bible, it's full of what God has already said. God is for us. God is always working for our good. God takes every circumstance in our life, good or bad, and somehow makes it work for our good. God already said that Jesus already paid a price for us, and healing is yours, and peace is yours, and joy is yours, and provision belongs to you, and that the enemy has no power over you. That's what the Bible says. And what are we saying? Well, you know, the devil, he's after me. That might be true, but Jesus said he has no power over you. What are we saying? Well, God, I don't know where you are. You never seem to show up for me. They sing at Family Life Church about how you're always working, but I don't see you coming through for me. That, to God, is an evil word with our mouth. It's not really cussing. It's not about name-calling. It's about disagreeing with what God has already said. So there are just two main points today that I want to give you from the Word of God. As we endeavor to build our life from the ground up, we have to understand this is a basic principle. And if you want to love life and see good days, you and I are going to have to take this instruction from the Word and work it into our lives. Now, if you want to live a life and just get whatever happens, then you don't really have to do anything, just kind of coast, but you're going to get whatever happens. But if you want to love your life, and see good days. The Bible tells us how, and it's really not that complicated. So we're going to take two points away today. The first point is this, for your notes, my words are seeds. My words are seeds. And we're going to look at Proverbs 18. It says, a man's stomach shall be satisfied from the fruit of his mouth. From the produce of his lips, he shall be filled. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. Another translation says this, a man fills his belly. So you and I actually fill our life with the fruit coming out of our mouth. And he shall be satisfied with the fruit of his lips. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. And they that rule it, the tongue, shall eat the fruits thereof. This is a secret sauce. Knowing death and life are in the power of our tongue. God could have put anything in there. He could have said, death is in your tongue, neutral is in your tongue, and life is in your tongue. 
but it doesn't say anything about neutral. <laughs> it says death or life. And he wouldn't say it if it wasn't true. Death and life are in the power of the words that are coming out of our mouth. Our words are loaded with death or life. And the truth is we can't just say anything and just speak anything and expect to live a good life and see good days. We have to be mindful of this basic principle in the word. And not only do we have to understand it, but as believers, we become more skillful in exercising this principle of the word. See, our words are like seeds. The fruit of our mouth, fruit, fruit comes from seeds. So we have to realize that every time we're speaking, we're speaking death or we're speaking life. There's no neutral happening. We're either speaking death into our marriage or we're speaking life into our marriage. Every time we speak, we're either speaking death into the hearts and minds of our kids or we're speaking life into the hearts and minds of our kids. Every time that we speak, we're either speaking death into our financial situation or we are speaking life into our financial situation. Every time we speak, we're either speaking death into our future or we are speaking life into our future. There's no neutral. The secret sauce is understanding the power of our words. You know, the Bible says what you call it, it is, that's what it is. The way that you call it is what it is. Well, I thought God had this amazing life mapped out for me. He does. And it's your mouth lining up with what he says that brings it to pass. And actually, even though he's laid out this amazing life, if we disagree with what he says, we never get to love our life and see good days. We never get to live in this amazing good life that God has laid out for us in our future. So life and death are in the power of our tongue. Point number two today that is this. My words are a rudder that direct my life. My words are a rudder that direct my life. And I want to share from one of my favorite passages in the Bible. It's James chapter 3. It says, A bit in the mouth of a horse controls the whole horse. A small rudder on a huge ship in the hands of a skilled captain sets a course in the face of the strongest winds. A word out of your mouth may seem of no account, but it can accomplish nearly anything or destroy it. It only takes a spark, remember, to set off a forest fire. A careless or wrongly placed word out of your mouth can do that. By our speech, we can ruin the world, turn harmony to chaos, throw mud on a reputation, send the whole world up in smoke and go up in smoke with it, smoke right from the pit of hell. We use our tongue to praise God our Father and then turn around and curse a person who was made in his very image. Out of the same mouth, we pour out words of praise one minute and curses the next. My brothers and sisters, this should never be. Is it possible that fresh and bitter water can flow out of the same spring? Neither can a bitter spring produce fresh water. You know, there's a lot out of this passage that we could bring out today. You know, for instance, the passage tells us that with our words... That with one careless word, just a careless word, not even thinking about what we're saying, we can ruin the world, our world or someone else's world. And we've probably all been the recipients of someone else's careless words. 
that we've spent a lot of time having to work through. But that's not what we're going to focus on today. The passage also tells us that with our words, that we have to go either one way or another. That it's either bitter water or fresh water coming out of that source. Sounds like death or life to me, right? So here it is confirmed again, what we read out of Proverbs. But the, what, the thing I want to focus the next few minutes on is this very powerful word picture. This word picture that if it comes alive in you and you start becoming more skillful with this, you're going to see more good days. You're going to love your life. James chapter 3 verse 4 says, A small rudder on a huge ship in the hands of a skilled captain sets a course in the face of the strongest winds. The NIV says, Take ships as an example. Although they are large and driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Wherever the pilot wants to go. So that this word picture can come a little more alive in our heart today. I want to show you this first video. So go ahead and play this first video of this cruise ship. No one go start daydreaming on me. This cruise ship ginormous ship, right? The ship is massive. Would you agree? It's massive. And you know, I think it's absolutely amazing that this gigantic ship is controlled by a pilot who sets a rudder that you can't even see from this picture that's underneath the ship. He sets the small rudder in a direction. And whatever the pilot chooses, however he chooses to set the rudder, is where the ship goes. You see, the captain sets the course, and this ship could be, let's say, in California, and the captain would say, you know, I don't want to be in California. I want to be in Alaska. And we know it's not rocket science that the captain, if he wants to go from California to Alaska, would have to do something with the rudder. He would have to engage the rudder to go north. And if he engages the rudder to go north, we all know which direction the ship would go. North. And over a process of time, if he adjusts the rudder to go north, over a process of time, the ship is going to end up in Alaska or north. And just like that pilot that chooses where he wants to go and sets the rudder and the course and the direction of the ship, the Bible says that's you and me. We have the ability to determine where we want to go. We have the ability to determine the direction and to set the rudder. It just so happens that the rudder that we set is the most difficult thing to control in our body. It's our big fat mouth. But if we become skillful in setting the rudder and saying what God says, we can arrive at the destination where we want to go. How does that happen? Well, we see a promise in God's word. We open the word and we see God says, hey, I've given you this plush place. It's called a peaceful home. Now, you may be living in a lot of strife and chaos right now, but you can set the rudder to a peaceful home. The Bible says things like, hey, I've given you a promise that you can live a life that's debt-free with more than enough. You may be struggling financially right now, and you may feel like your world is crashing in financially. We've seen it. People in this church have been there, but you know what? We've also seen people get to the port that they want to go. And part of what we know we have to do as believers is set the rudder. 
to put the rudder in the direction that we want to go. God says, I'm giving you a plush place called healed. I'm giving you a plush place called number one sales office in your company. I'm giving you a plush place called a prosperous business. I'm giving you a plush place called living in a fulfilled purpose, doing the assignment of God, hitting the bullseye for your life. There are so many promises in the word that God has already said. And when we agree with what he said and we set our words in agreement with him, we can set our life in the direction to head north, to Alaska, or to whatever that plush place is that you're desiring to be in your life. We can also see from this example that the captain that is in California says, hey, I want to go to Alaska, puts the rudder in place so that it starts heading north. But then maybe in a day he wakes up and he's like, you know what? I'm not really feeling Alaska. I think actually I want to go to Mexico. So what does he have to do? So he adjusts the rudder and starts heading south. So he starts to head south and then he goes, what am I thinking? I don't even like it where it's hot. I think I want to go where it's, where it's cold. So he adjusts the rudder again, and he starts going north. Well, do you see how over a process of time, if he is confused about which direction that he goes, or he sets the rudder north, then decides to go south, then decides to go north, then decides to go south, that he's never really going to get anywhere. So when we're believing for hitting a destination, getting to the port where God says, and we set our rudder, We have to realize when we start saying what's opposite of that, we're not going to get very far. We might feel like we're spinning in circles. We might feel like we're moving, but we're really not going anywhere. So we have to understand that when, when we see, hey, God says there's a place called healed. I can live in this place without disease or without pain. It's a very real promise. And the truth is Jesus already paid the price for it. We don't have to wonder if it's God's will. It's part of the package. And so we see this place called healed. What do we do? We say in the middle of pain or a scary medical report or whatever symptoms are happening in our body, we break open the word of God. We say 1 Peter 2.24 says this, Jesus, you took my infirmities. You bore my sickness. By your stripes I'm healed. Actually, that's Isaiah. First Peter says, He bore my sin in his body on the tree, that I might be dead to sin and alive into righteousness. And by the stripes of Jesus I was healed. Then we turn and we keep just looking what Scripture says, and we keep our mouth going in the right direction. Romans 8 says, If the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in us, then that spirit will quicken our body. It'll quicken our body. It'll bring life to our body. It'll bring health to our body. It'll cause my body to function the way God created it to function. It'll drive sickness out of my body. That's setting the rudder to the place called healed. We just have to understand as we're building our life from the ground up and taking responsibility for walking this Christian life and strengthen with purpose that we have to set our rudder And not be confused about which direction we want to go. Understanding that when we speak other words about how much pain we're in or about how bad it looks, that we're actually not making much progress toward healed. That we'll end up staying in the same same actual area, not really getting to the port we want to go to. So I want to uh, show you now what happens when things get rocky in our life. So I want you to see this next ship on the water. Go ahead and play it.
So when things get rocky and stormy in our life, and Jesus said, just just understand that you're going to go through stuff. There is an enemy. He's for real, and he's going to try and throw some things into your life, but he has no power over us. But Jesus said, you're going to experience some things that aren't pleasant in your life, just based on the fact that you live on the earth. But James also says that even though the ship is massive and the winds are fierce, if the pilot sets the rudder, your life will still go in the direction that you want it to go. Now, I, for one, looked at that video, and I was like, holy cow, people actually are in, the, in that ship? Look at that. I mean, it's like, it looks severe, doesn't it? But, you know, a lot of times in life, we go through things that are scary, things that are threatening to take us out, things that are threatening, um, you know, about threatening uh, our belief in God, even, and our, and our uh, understanding of how life can be great. There are things that we go through that are rocky and hard, storms. And the worst thing to do is to not set our rudder in the place, time of a storm. Can you see that as that ship was rocking back and forth, it, if it didn't have a clear direction, if the rudder was not set, that ship would be spinning around. It may end up going in a completely weird direction that the pilot didn't even want to go. But wow, let's take some instruction from James chapter 3, that if we set the rudder. It doesn't matter how fierce the wind. doesn't matter how big the waves. doesn't matter how hard the storm. When we set the rudder, our life goes in the direction that we're telling it to go according to the word of God. You know, in the middle of the storm, that's hard. We can come in on Sunday and say, I know breakthrough's coming. By faith, I see a miracle. And I, for one, am down there dancing and wanting to do cartwheels because I'm believing for God to do stuff in this church and in our life. And I believe that God made me a promise and he won't stop now. And it's easy to do that in this atmosphere on Sunday. Oh, man, but then Tuesday happens and, and all hell breaks loose in our life. And we're like, what? Keep your rudder set. Keep saying what God says. Keep going in that same direction, that destination that you're believing to go. Because, you know, even though there are facts that are real, facts that are real, things that are scary, doctor's reports, our checkbook balance, whatever the issue is that is real, truth from God's word is actually higher than facts. And even though facts can threaten to take us out, when we say the truth from God's word, it keeps us guided through those waves and guided through that storm and guided through those fierce winds and guided through that scary, all the scary stuff. And it still heads us in the direction. But the pilot is the one that sets the course. You set the course for your life. I set the course for my life. But we can take confidence from James that we will go in the direction that we want to go. Let's look at this last video as we look at how skillful we can become with our words. Now, this is amazing. This ship is 893 feet long, this exact ship. And it's over 10,000 tons dead weight. And it's time-lapsed right now. But I just want you to watch how this pilot is acting like this is a little Toyota or something. Look at this ship, how skillful he is at not only getting it to the right destination, but gracefully parking it exactly where he wants it to go. It exactly hits the right port, he doesn't crash. He doesn't 
hurt anybody. <laughs> he goes right up to the bumper there, exactly where he wants to go. The Bible says that's how you and I are supposed to operate. That's how God has equipped us to operate. We're made in God's image. And not only can we make it to start a destination to where we desire to go, to get through the storm, to get to continue to get to the other side, but then to gracefully just right there, exactly in the port we, where we want to go. That is the picture of the rudder of the ship. That is the word picture that God says that we can do if we control our mouth. You know, about um, several years ago, my husband walked through a very severe, severe test. It was severe anxiety. And um, I'm so grateful that we knew this truth. You know, he was daily dealing with crazy symptoms in his body, palpitations, adrenaline dumps, thinking he was having a heart attack, thinking he was going to die, going to the hospital, the, you know, being transported by the ambulance. I mean, all these things were happening, and we were like, what is going on? And all of these things were happening. And praise God, he knew enough, first of all, in the word that Jesus had already paid the price for his healing. And you know what? Because he set the rudder of his mouth to match what God's word says about healing over the process of time, through the storm, through the palpitations, through the no peace at all in his soul. I mean, through his heart and his mind and his emotions, things were just choppy and stormy, but he set the course. And praise God, he arrived at the port of completely healed with zero, zero symptoms, no residual at all. And I, yeah, praise God for that. It wasn't him doing the, the powerful stuff. See, Jesus did the powerful stuff. He already paid the price. And Jesus says, here, healing belongs to you. And now we have the privilege of activating our words to say what he says to get to the destination we're believing for. Wanted to share you a couple of books, share with you a couple of books. We actually have both of these in our bookstore. And, um, you know, 35 minutes is not nearly enough time to give you an extensive teaching on the power of your words. But these little books right here, this book is what my husband used and brought him out. It's called God's Creative Power for Healing by Charles Capps. You can literally read it in like 20 minutes. This book is so full of truth. If you're trying to understand like how this works, this will help you more fully understand what we're talking about today. Also, changing the scene and shaping the unseen. Uh, this is talking about if you, there's a situation in your life and, and you're like, I don't like this. I want this to change. You have the power through faith and through setting the rudder of your words to change what you see. And you do that by shaping what is unseen, by that unseen rudder. Like on the ship, the rudder is under the water. It's unseen, but it shapes the course for, uh, for the ship. That's exactly what our words are supposed to do for us. So you might be here today, and you may say, you know what, I'm not, living my, I'm not loving my life at all. Like, there's zero about my life right now that I love. Well, I'm excited that today you connected to some answers, because the Bible says that you can love life and see good days by exercising this principle. Today you may say, you know, there's a lot going great in my life, but there are a few things I'm not loving. I don't really like a couple of things. Out of 15 things in my life, 13 are great, but two really stink. Well, I encourage you, don't just settle for, well, at least 13 are great. Use God's word. 
get to the port where you want to go with your words, right? I believe that all of us, whether we've been walking with Christ just for a little bit or maybe we're seasoned believers, we can come up in our skillfulness, right, of how we engage the rudder and how we set our destination and get to the place, the plush place that God has for us. Well, today as we close out, Pastor Jason's going to come up. And um, I I just want to encourage you this week to take some time and examine your words as you go throughout the day. Ask the Holy Spirit for his help. He lives on the inside of you. He'll help you recognize, hey, wait, is that really what you want to come to pass? What seeds are flying out of your mouth right now? And if you're married, hold each other accountable. Pastor Tom loves it when I hold him accountable to his words. It's a Bible. Hey, where he goes, I go. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm the word cop at my house. So uh, Pastor Jason's going to lead us. Awesome. Well, thank you, Pastor Kathy. Can we thank Pastor Kathy for such a great word? Amen. Well, we never, ever want to leave a service without the, giving the opportunity for you to make Jesus the Lord of your life. So I'm going to ask you, if you just bow your head at this time, this is a decision for you personally. And as Pastor Kathy taught so beautifully, this is a faith step of you putting the rudder of your life to see change by asking God to take over your life, to bring the salvation into your life that you need. And so if you're in this place and you say, you know what, Pastor Jason, I'm done doing it my way. And I don't fully know Jesus, but I want to know Jesus. I want to do it his way. I want to, I want to start going through this, this storm. And I tell you this, the Bible says when Jesus is in your boat, you get to the other side. And so I don't know the storm you're in, but I can tell you through my experience that when we make Jesus Lord of our life, it's way easier to turn that rudder. So if you're in this place and you, you want to make Jesus Lord of your life, let's simply ask you, just raise your hand. Just raise your hand. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Well, church, can we give it up for these people who bravely raised their hand to make this decision? We're going to do something with our words. We're going to pray a prayer, and the Bible says very specifically, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, that you will be saved. So we're going to pray this together as a church. So can we, church, you pray after me. Say, Jesus, I'm asking you to come into my life. Be my leader in life. I believe that you died for me that you rose again and you sit at the right hand of God fighting for me. If you prayed that prayer for the first time or the second time, the Bible is very specific that you are saved. And so I think it's very important that in this moment that we understand that you're saved towards something. You're safe towards the life that God has created you for. So I want to encourage you, church, can we give it up one more time for everybody who made that decision?